To kick off this episode, I'd like you to join me for a slightly unpleasant trip down memory lane. Do you remember the last time you got a tetanus shot? You know, at first, there wasn't any pain at all, but for most of us, the next day, in fact, the next few days, were really no fun at all. Our arms swelled up and the injection site hurt. In fact, it hurt a lot. But that wasn't the worst part. Apparently, whenever we get a tetanus shot, there's a massive press release that goes out to every single person that you might possibly encounter during the week following the injection. Because every time you run into somebody who knows you, they approach with a big smile on their face, and then they punch you in the shoulder as a form of greeting, or to make a point, or to punctuate for you how funny the joke you just told was. And it's never the other arm. It's always the place where you get the shot. What the hell? Of course, we know that's not what actually happens. The truth is that people always punch you in the shoulder. It just doesn't hurt until you have a reason for it to, so you're not aware of it. You don't notice. But then you get that shot, and suddenly every person you know apparently hates you. Well, that's what curiosity is like. And it's why I often say that the downside of curiosity is awareness. Curiosity is like a vaccine against ignorance. But it has a downside. Once you allow curiosity to take root in your body, it never lets go. It becomes part of you, which means that your awareness of things, all kinds of things, becomes heightened. You get why disease, which is characterized by an unquenchable need to know stuff. I mean, why would you want to cure that? This is a program about extinction, but it's not what you think. We're not going to talk about the 200 species that disappear from this planet every 24 hours, many of them because of us. We're not going to talk about the loss of habitat or the destruction of the rainforest or the devastation caused by climate change or the 20,000 tons of plastic that make their way into the world's oceans every day. We're here to talk about the looming demise of something much more human and enormously fundamental, curiosity. For centuries, humans have looked across the vastness of the prairies, probed the darkness of the oceans and the night sky, or gazed into the wonders of a single drop of pond water. We've asked truly fundamental questions. What's out there? What is this? Why do things behave the way they do? What makes that work? And perhaps most fundamental of all, who are we and what are we doing here? These questions, many of them asked initially by members of the clergy and philosophers, later by scientists, form the basis of natural human curiosity, a desire to understand the world around us and our role in it. Because of curiosity, we have come to understand just a little bit about the extraordinarily diverse forms of life that we share the planet with and the worlds out there beyond our own. We've learned to build enormous structures to protect ourselves from, and in far fewer cases, cure disease, and to create unimaginably complex technologies that serve us in equally unimaginable ways. Most of these advances have made life better for us and helped us to live longer, richer, in some cases, easier lives. But there is a downside to this. When things get easier, when a species doesn't have to work as hard to live, complacency sets in. It's an insidious thing. When life isn't as hard as it once was, we don't work as hard as we once did. We relax a bit. And while that's not a bad thing in and of itself, too much of it, for too long, can be. Our skills get rusty. We stop doing things we once did as a matter of routine. We lose our edge. And when we lose that, 
we lose our advantage. But there is a cure. It's called curiosity. In fact, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. Thank goodness for that. You see, I believe that curiosity is sort of our sixth sense. It's what gives us the ability to understand complex things and to make sense of cause and effect. If this, then that. It's what generates context and insight. One of the other things that differentiates us from the other creatures on this planet, at least as far as we know, is our use of adverbs. Yeah, you heard me correctly, adverbs. Remember those? Why, what, how, when, where? We use all of them, and pretty well. Other creatures, as near as I can tell, don't. A small animal might intuitively understand the meaning of what, as in, what is that creature standing there looking at me? Is it a predator, or is it harmless? Is that good to eat, or will it make me sick? Is that hole safe, or does it house a dangerous animal that doesn't want to share its space? The practice of asking what is a critical survival skill. As humans, though, we go beyond what to ask other questions that help us understand our world. Why do things behave the way they do? How does rain work? When do the leaves start to change, and why do they drop? How is it that birds and eels learn to migrate? But how do they know when to do it? And what guides them? These words, these questions, lie at the heart of natural curiosity. There's a reason that in many cases, the first words that toddlers learn to wield are adverbs, especially why. Why do birds sing? Why does it smell good after it rains? Why can't I play with mushrooms? Why do skunks smell so bad? Or as my dad remembers me asking, why can't we open the blinds at night and let the dark in? I was a weird kid. When I was at university, I had to take physics. I was at Berkeley. Everybody had to take physics. Well, once I got into it, I was gobsmacked at the amount of philosophy we were presented with from the various professors. One of the concepts we were assigned to struggle with was something called epistemology, which is the study of the limits of knowledge. From the point of view of physics, it went kind of like this. The very act of passively observing the behavior of a subatomic particle imparts energy to that particle, which changes its trajectory. The point? We can't observe without changing whatever it is we're observing, which means that there is absolutely no way to know what the actual behavior of the particle we were observing was before we observed it. Now, if this was a movie, this is where the actors would be lighting up and passing around a doobie to help them get their heads around the concept. But it also says a lot about the world. We can never know everything about it, but we have the obligation to try. And by the way, that's what science is all about. It never claims to be right or to have all the answers. All it says is that I'll be more right tomorrow than I am today because I'll know more tomorrow than I do today. My friend Hank Lentfer, whom you heard in the episode about Liz McKenzie's film, The Singing Planet, had this to say about curiosity. There's kind of a piece of irony that uh, you and I are so confident in the power and beauty of curiosity and finding the edge of what it is that we know. But there's also seems to be a great comfort people find in certainty that this is the way the world is, that this God did it this way with these intentions and these are the rules and it's black and white and I don't have to question. So true. The more we know, the more we realize how much we don't know. That shouldn't be off-putting. 
it should challenge us to step up and make a bigger effort to understand as much as we can. Why? Because understanding our world isn't about certainty. It's about incremental forward steps that gradually expand our view of things. When we send satellites off to explore the far reaches of the solar system and beyond, we don't know what we're going to learn. We have ideas about what we'd like to learn, but this is a good example of a journey of discovery like Lewis and Clark's mission versus the destination. I mean, think about this. On September 5, 1977, that's 45 years ago, NASA launched Voyager 1. 1977. The internet and web didn't yet exist. Mobility hadn't arrived. Personal computers were the stuff of technological legend. Yet NASA was able to build a nuclear-powered satellite that today continues to routinely send data back to Earth about its discoveries in spite of the fact that it is currently 15 billion miles away from Earth. In fact, it's so far away that it takes a radio message traveling at the speed of light. That's 186,000 miles per second and change. It takes it 21 hours to get here. Talk about a sense of wonder. So, curiosity is the stuff of understanding, of insight, of context. It's the birthplace of wonder, In fact, Hank brought up a wonderful quote by Anne Lamott, the author of, among other wonderful books, Bird by Bird, which says a lot about certainty. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It is certainty. So what's my point here? Well, you've heard me say that I believe that curiosity is our sixth sense. If you think about it, it's our senses, taste, smell, touch, hearing, seeing, that give us the ability to explore and experience our world. Even our most advanced technologies are designed to add to or enhance our existing senses. The Greek word tele, T-E-L-E, means at a distance. So television means seeing at a distance. Telecommunications, communicating at a distance. Telemedicine, teleport, telescope, telegram, medicine, transportation, viewing, and writing, all at a distance. But all are extensions of our existing senses. And curiosity? Well, it's sort of an uber sense because it feeds raw material into our senses, providing a conduit of content that our senses analyze to provide context and understanding. When curiosity slows down, so does the insight pipeline, the fuel source for our senses. Why would we want to slow that down? Why would we ever not want to know more tomorrow than we do today? Here's Hank again. I love the imagery that if you drew a circle around everything you know, the border of that circle is the unknown. And as we learn more, our circle gets bigger, but so does that boundary with the unknown. And as our perception of the mystery grows, our lives become richer. I love that. Once again, the more we know, the more we discover how much we don't. Challenge accepted. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.